This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. Tonight to Matthew's Gospel and the 11th chapter. Matthew's Gospel, 11th chapter, and just the last uh, few verses. Reading from verse 28. Jesus said, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This 21st century world that we live in is very, very different from the first century world that Jesus lived in, and yet paradoxically, there was no difference. It's different in the sense that uh, we have seen tremendous technologies that only they could have dreamed of in that far-off age. Difference in the sense that we have seen amazing scientific breakthroughs and inventions that are staggering to our minds. And yet, for all of our advancements, there's many of them, we have basically the same age-old human problems that Jesus faced with the people in his day. People then, as now, were sick, worried, fearful, hurting. They grieved, were sad, they felt lost, they were treated badly, they were ripped off, they were oppressed, they were depressed. So not much change there. Remember that Jesus ministered in the time when his country and his people were in the iron grip of a pagan empire. An empire that was vicious and vindictive against anyone that would dare to stand up against them. And so it it wasn't a happy land, and they weren't a happy people. And on top of that, what made it worse was the very religion that was supposed to bring them comfort and help actually became a religion that burdened them and weighed them down. Judaism had become an unbearable burden on the people. And the reason was that the Pharisees, they had heaped upon the people a host of rules and regulations that not even the law and the prophets commanded. And the trouble was, Jesus even said himself, you have put burdens on people, grievous burdens on people, and you haven't left one finger to help them. Nothing made Jesus more angry. Nothing angered him more than this merciless religious system that actually piled on more and more burdens upon the people 
to the point where they were wearied and they were exhausted to try to keep up. And so Jesus saw people as sheep without a shepherd. The Pharisees didn't care about the people. In their pride and their religious fervor, uh, they said they upheld the law and they had all their rules and regulations and they're fastidious and trying to keep everyone, every jot and tittle. But as far as the people was concerned, nah, they didn't care. But Jesus cared. And so he saw them as sheep without a shepherd and he did everything in his power to alleviate their suffering. He healed their sick. He set their oppressed free. He fed their hungry, and even on occasions, he even raised their dead. His compassion, his love, and his mercy was evident for all to see. No wonder the common people, the Bible said, heard Jesus gladly. He didn't talk like the Pharisees. He didn't pray like the Pharisees. He didn't teach like the Pharisees. He was completely and utterly different, and the people recognized that. And so when Jesus looked at the people, he saw them restless, he saw them wearied. He saw them hopeless at times. And his heart went out to them. And when Jesus looks down today upon the sons of men on earth, he still sees the restlessness, the weariness, the hopelessness. And he still cares. And he still got the answer for their needs. And so his invitation still holds good. He hasn't changed. His invitation hasn't changed. It still has the power to change lives. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Some of the very last recorded words of Jesus in Scripture is in the very last book of the Bible, in the very last chapter of the Bible, and almost the very last few sentences of the Bible. And in that, there's that wonderful invitation. Revelation 22, 17. And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him who hears say, Come. And let him who thirsts, Come. And whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely. So Jesus is saying that God is approachable. That God is accessible. That God is an invitational God. That invites people to come. Now, he wasn't so approachable in the Old Testament. Most people had to come through a prescribed way, through a priesthood and through offerings and through sacrifice, through ritual. But when Jesus came, then Jesus became the way. I am the way, the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And so everything was more simplified for us today. We don't have to come with sacrifices and offerings and through a priesthood or through a mediator. We can simply come to Jesus and he receives us and introduces us to the Father. The writer to the book of Hebrews says that there is a, a throne of grace where we can come to to find help and to find mercy in time of need. And so this invitational, gracious, accessible God welcomes us to come to him.
Come unto me, all you who labor under heavy laden. And those terms simply mean those who are fainting from weariness in a permanent state of weariness, bowed down with many, many burdens and cares. That's the invitation. That's who Jesus is looking for and invites them to come unto him. Obviously, he's not talking about somebody toiling in a manual way, in a laboring way, in a field somewhere. No, no. He's talking about soul weariness. He's talking about spiritual exhaustion. The feeling of never being able to do enough to please God or to be enough to please God. Because that's what that system was that the Pharisee had raised up. You had to do enough and be enough to please God. And Jesus said, just come to me. Come to me. So people were worn out with all these man-made rules and regulations. Religious performance left them deflated and defeated and wearied and tired and worn out. Unlike the Pharisees who enjoyed it, who loved it, who actually felt they were doing God's work and doing God's will and prided themselves in it, that they were the elite in the country, not like the little people. They were special. Pharisees mean separated one. Boy, they love to be separated from everybody. Most religions today are works-based. They're performance-related. That's why there's no rest. There's no peace. There's no feeling of the smile of God. It's just do, 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 work, work, work. A daily grind in order to try to somehow, maybe, perhaps, if we could, please God. And it just tires you out. It's exhausting. And it never saves one single soul. Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, they trample the streets, they pound the doors, and they do, 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 and they work, 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 in the hope, in the hope that maybe one day they can become a god too, if you're a Mormon. Or one day, maybe if you work really, really, really hard and God is really, really, really pleased with you, you become one of the 144,000, the only ones that will ever see God's heaven. Ah. No wonder they're weary and tired. No wonder they get worn out. They've never known the wonderful truth of Ephesians 2, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, not of works. It's the gift of God, so that nobody can boast. What could be clearer and more simpler than that? But religion doesn't like that. Religion wants to work, 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 do, 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 earn, earn, earn. And then if we work harder than somebody else and we do more than somebody else, we feel we've earned more than somebody else and that breeds pride or religious pride. That's exactly what the Pharisees were like. So Jesus says, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. <coughs> give rest, there is one word in the Greek language. And it simply means, 
I will rest you. I will rest you. There's a promise for you that Jesus himself says, I will rest you. Remember, he says, my peace I give unto you. Not as the word gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I will rest you. Then he says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Jewish commentator Howard Stern he said that Judaism speaks of the yoke of heaven. That's the commitment that any Jew must make to trust in God. He further said that Judaism also speaks of the yoke of the Torah. And this is a commitment that any observant Jew makes to keep the generalities and the details of the teachings of the Torah. <coughs> Isn't it interesting that the word yoga <coughs> in Buddhism and Hinduism means yoked? Attached to, joined to, yoked to. So those who get involved in meditation and yoga, be careful. You're yoking yourself to something. Herschel Hobbes says, this yoke Jesus spoke about here was not about an ox pulling a load. To take the yoke in a rabbinical sense, meant to enroll under a teacher, under a rabbi. Rabbis would go about and they'd have their disciples, they'd have their students, they'd have those who yoked themselves to a particular rabbi to teach them, to train them. That's what it means. So Jesus is saying here to the people who were full of weariness and restlessness and hopelessness and tiredness because their souls were aching because they could not keep up, they could not perform, they could not do the standards that have been set to them impossible. And Jesus is saying, listen, take my yoke upon you, not their yoke that they're trying to put on you, that's killing you, that's weighing you down, that's strangling you spiritually. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. That's what he's saying. Take my yoke. Learn of me. Let me be your teacher. I'll be your guide. Be taught of me. I'll show you what God is really like. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Easy there means pleasant, well-fitting. You don't chafe under it. It's suitable. It fits you perfectly. That's what Jesus is saying. Not like that performance-related, works-based religion of the Pharisees that kills you. He says, come to me, learn of me. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Let me show you what God's really, really like. My yoke is pleasant, it's light to bear. I will give you my spirit to sustain you, I'll give you my word to guide you. I will give you everything you need that you may have rest in me. Peter said, casting all your care 
upon him, for he careth for you. Just the way an animal would be packed with burdens to carry, Jesus is our burden bearer. He's the one that we cast our burdens and our cares onto so that we don't have to carry the weight and the load of them that crushes us. doesn't mean we avoid responsibilities. But that overwhelming, crushing feeling, he said, no. And then he says, for I am meek and lowly in heart. See, in the ancient world, meekness and lowliness were not thought of as virtues. Not thought of as strengths, but thought of as weaknesses. Even in the animal kingdom. I was watching recently some programs about monkeys. And they said, no matter how hurt they are, how injured they are, they try to show no sign of it because it's a sign of weakness in the animal world and a predator looks out for the weakest. So even if they're in much pain, they'll try their best not to show it. So in the ancient world, meekness, lowliness, it wasn't thought of as a virtue, but in God's kingdom, it is a virtue and it is a strength. The Pharisees were neither meek, neither were they lowly. They were haughty, they were proud, they were puffed up with religious pride. But Jesus came, born a king with a servant's heart. No question he was born a king. Even the wise men recognized that. But he was coming with a servant's heart. Remember the very night before he died, he washed the feet of his disciples to show them how to treat others in the kingdom, how to be a servant to all. That's what's required of his followers. Do you ever consider that Jesus was the only man that could ever speak of or acknowledge his humility and not be seen as proud? If you heard somebody else talking about their humility, you'd say, no, no, you're really very proud, but not Jesus. He's the only one could do that in all good conscience. I am meek and I am lowly in heart. Think of the meekness of Christ. How wonderful is the meekness of Christ. When James and John wanted to call down fire out of heaven to burn up that village of Samaritans who had rejected Jesus. Jesus said, no. You don't even know what spirit you're of. That's not my heart. That's not my spirit. That's not what I've come to do. He came to save the lost. He didn't come to destroy the lost. He came to save them. Remember when Peter... That night in Gethsemane when they came to arrest Jesus. And in his zeal and fervor, how he took out his sword. And he, had a, he, was, he must have been slashing all around with that sword. Nobody's going to take his master. <laughs> and he cut off the ear of the high priest's servant, Malchus. 
And Jesus says, Peter, put your sword back in your sheath. Shall not I drink of the cup that the Father has given me to drink of? See how meek he was in the face of that opposition. And they bound him and led him away. Imagine, imagine binding the creator of the universe. And he meekly allowed them to do that. No resistance whatsoever. Remember years ago, who was it wrote the song Meekness and Majesty? Graham Kendrick? There's great theology in that song. Think of Jesus standing before Pilate. <laughs> Pilate never had seen a prisoner like Jesus. I would imagine that any prisoner standing before Pilate would have been quivering and quaking with fright. Or they'd have been on their knees begging for their life. But Jesus standing there, beaten, bloodied, but unbowed, just stood there in front of him. Pilate didn't know what he was going to do with him. <laughs> he, was, he was totally at a loss. What am I going to do with this man? I know he's innocent. Look at him. No fear, no panic. Just standing there. At one point during the trial, he said to Jesus, have you nothing to say in your defense? Can you not hear what they're saying about you? Have you nothing to say in your defense? Do you not know that I have the power to crucify you or to release you? Jesus said, you would have no power at all except it was given you. What meekness. The king of glory the king of angels could have called 10,000 angels and he just stood there. Unlike the prophet Muhammad when he came, if you didn't believe Islam, you were put to the sword. No choice. No question about it. You become a Muslim or you die. Jihadists in Aleppo, in Mosul, and other places did the same thing with thousands of people. Thousands of them. You become a Muslim or we behead you or we crucify you or we burn you alive. Jesus being the son of God Jesus could have forced men to bow the knee but he didn't he didn't remember one time he preached a tough sermon and many walked away from that day and Jesus turned to his disciples and says would you go away also no pleading, no bagging, no coercing, no threatening. Will you go away also? Moses was the meekest man that ever lived until Jesus came. Until Jesus came. What meekness.
I am meek and lowly in heart. How wonderful is his lowliness. I mentioned a moment about that night in the upper room. That night when he had the breaking of bread for the last time. Next day, he'd be crucified. Disciples were busy wondering who would be the greatest in the kingdom. Not one of them thought of washing each other's feet. There was no servant to do it that night. They were all by themselves. Not one of them thought of doing it. So Jesus very calmly took the towel, took a basin, kneeled down on his knees before them and washed their feet. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the second person of the divine Godhead? The Son of God washing dirty feet? But he was teaching them a lesson in servanthood. A lesson that they didn't understand then, but they would understand later. But what lowliness. He eats with publicans and sinners. No self-respecting Pharisee, no rabbi would have dared even dream of having a meal with a sinner, much less the chief of sinners, tax collectors, publicans. But Jesus comes along. And those are the ones he chooses to eat with. Zacchaeus, come down today, I must have bad at your house. That was a big shock. Not only does it cast, but everybody's standing there. Chief tax collector. Hated, despised. But Jesus invited himself to his house to have a meal with him. Rode into Jerusalem riding upon a donkey. Not a chariot. Not borne by four on her shoulders. Not an Arabian steed, but the donkey, the foal of an ass. <laughs> Who would have thought it? That he was king of kings and lord of all lords. Sitting at the well with a Samaritan woman. Those despised Samaritans. <laughs> we have no dealings with those Samaritans, those half-breeds. We hate them. They're dirty. They're irreligious. But Jesus goes out of his way to meet with that woman at the well. And it had such an impact on her that the whole village came together and he stayed with them. Taught them. Led them to salvation. the lowliness of Christ. Sitting in the house of Simon the Pharisee. Hmm. While he's sitting there, a woman of ill repute, it says, a prostitute. Everybody knew her. They all knew who she was. They all knew what she was. And she comes in 
And she stands beside Jesus and she's sobbing and sobbing and sobbing and sobbing. And her tears is dripping onto his feet. Then she gets down and she washes his feet with her hair. Simon's sitting thinking, if this man was a prophet, he would know what sort of woman this is. He's no prophet. He's no Messiah. He would know who she is. Jesus said, Simon, I have a question. Speak on, teacher. <laughs> I'm sure afterwards you wish you hadn't have said that. <laughs> and Jesus gave a little parable. And then he said, Simon, see this woman that you're talking about? When I come in, she has done nothing but cry and weep tears on my feet. You never gave me any water to wash my feet. You didn't give me any oil to anoint my head, but this woman has broken precious ointment. Hmm? You gave me no kiss. But this woman, since I came in, she hasn't ceased to kiss my feet. The loneliness of the Son of God who allowed a woman of the night, a street woman, to come in front of all of those religious hypocrites and give them an object lesson and a heart of love. What a savior, what a master. What meekness, what lowliness we see in Christ. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. That's what every man and every woman is looking for today. Rest for their souls. Peace in their mind. Calmness in their heart. But without Christ, it's a very elusive thing, isn't it? People are searching for it. Many will go to the esoteric religions of this world. They will take trips to India and all over. But they're not finding what they're looking for. beyond the reach. Some will try it through accomplishments, through success, or through money. Some, even in desperation, will turn to alcohol, or return to drugs, or turn to illicit relationships, or turn to crime, or turn to gangs, or whatever. A thousand things they want to turn to to find the thing they're looking for, but everything they turn to drives them further away from the very thing that they're looking for. The old hymn used to say, I tried the broken cisterns, Lord, but all oh, the water's failed. <laughs> and everything is failing then. So Jesus sees men as sheep without a shepherd, wandering aimlessly, without purpose, drifting along like shepherdless sheep, defenseless against the predators of this world. So Jesus gives the invitation, come unto me. Both for the unbeliever and for the believer. 
This is a double invitation. It reminds me of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. That's rest, isn't it? That's peace. That's calmness. That's what we're looking for in life. And then he said, learn of me. Learn of me. Folks, it's a process. From the moment you get saved, you entered into and enrolled in the school of Christ. And you're still there yet. And we haven't graduated. And we'll never graduate it, graduate till we get to the glory. <laughs> because there's always going to be things that will want to cause us unrest and hurt and pain and anguish or fear or worry, whatever. And we're going to always have to go back to the one who gives us rest. Because there's not rest in anything else. And so the invitation holds good tonight to the sinner, to the saint, to the unsaved, to the believer. There's a rest remains for the people of God. And so in our difficulties, in our challenges of life, and listen, we all know that a challenge can come in an instant. In an instant it can happen. What do we do? Initially we panic. But then what do we do? We go to the one who gives us rest for our soul. We find that quiet corner in our home or in our car or wherever or walking we do. And we say, Lord, I'm agitated. I'm restless. I feel anxiety and worry. Lord, I'm going to cast my care upon you. And I'm going to receive your rest into my soul. And then the peace of God comes in. Because the peace of God comes in. But the enemy fights us continually on it. So that's why we've got to keep going to the master. He says, come to me. Come to me. <laughs> we'll not find rest or peace any other place, only in him. So listen to me, saint, tonight. We're going to pray. There's a peace for you. There's a peace for me. And it's in Christ Jesus. We know him. We love him. We serve him. But that doesn't stop the world, the flesh, and the devil coming against us. But we have that promise. If we come to him, he will give us rest. So let's pray about that. Lord, your saints that are here tonight, those that are facing challenges, difficulties, mountains to climb, valleys to go through. Lord, help them and help me and help us not to forget where our peace lies. Only you, Lord, can calm our troubled hearts. Only you, Lord, can give us peace in our troubled minds. 
So, Lord, I pray for those who are here tonight and those perhaps who are listening on the podcast who are maybe going through a great crisis and difficulty right now. I pray for your peace that you said passes all understanding beyond human comprehension will be their portion tonight. So we put our trust completely and fully in you because you're a wonderful Savior. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that strengthens and sustains us. Bless you for your word that directs and guides us. Now, Lord, impart your peace. Let your peace reign in every heart tonight. And we'll give you the honor and we'll give you the glory. And if somebody asks, how come you are so peaceful about this? We'll say, the Lord Jesus Christ is my peace and he is my rest. So thank you for this tonight. Bless your church as we leave this building. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal or visit our website for more information, www.mpc.org.uk.